hello. 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 How's it going? Good. Good. Feeling, yeah? I'm feeling a bit of deja vu here. What are you talking about? I feel like this has happened already today. No, you're lying. Like five or six times. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, you're a liar and a slanderer. Oh, okay. How about that? That's pretty harsh. Take that and think about it. I am your wife. Flip it and reverse it. <laughs> That's what I always pretty say. Pretty weird to say. I was uh, listening to last podcast on the left, and they were talking about uh, this dude that was like got chased down and whipped. And they said that the uh, the best way to deal with that was to flip it and reverse it. To just like take your pants off and show them that you were enjoying it and that they would stop doing it. <laughs> so you take it, you flip it, and you reverse it. You turn it back on them. So that's advice that I'm going to take. If a mob is ever, you know, beating me or whipping me or something, just make it seem like I'm enjoying it and then they'll, you yes, know, they'll be always, less interested. Always yeah, listen to last podcast on the left. They are the surefire way to get some good advice. Hey, man, they are like one of the top podcasts on the planet. I mean, yeah, so. they're pretty good. Uh, you know, take their advice with a grain of salt. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good advice. That well, I'm not, <laughs> I don't take all of their person. advice at face value. But. That piece of advice, I do take at face value. <laughs> um, what is up, folks? Okay, here's the thing. Hello. Well, before I do this, we're talking about a TV show today true i don't know what to do does this does this episode get a number does it not get a number oh is this but watch tv shows and then talk about i don't know Do we have to change everything for this one episode but it's part of 31 days of october that's what i'm saying i'm so torn on it it's not a special episode which is the only time that we've talked about tv shows before so does this get an episode number well, but do all of the ones in october get episode numbers the the four the four main ones yeah I'll leave it to your discretion. When we talk about, uh, we talked about Under the Skin last week. If you missed it, go check out that episode. Um, next week, we're talking about The Shining. That will get an episode number. And the week after, we're talking about Suspiria. So that will get an episode number as well, obviously. Um, you know what? Screw it. Here it is. Hello and welcome to episode 45. Whoa. Whoa. Of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. Things are changing. The only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. There may be others where other people watch movies and then talk about them, but this is the only one where we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this year podcast, joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hello. She's my wife. Yep, I am. Ha <laughs> Sucka. I... I chose this life. <laughs> How are you feeling about that? Most days pretty good. Most days? Yeah. How about today? Eh. <laughs> Ask me later. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, at her right hand and my left hand, due to the entirely circular nature of our table, we are joined by Sid. Hey. Also known as Trivia Sid. Also known as... As uh, we got Siffy Sid. We got Siddalus. Um, Sidley Widley. STD. Sydney, STD, um, Skidney, Siddhartha. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Now, that's a lot of nicknames for sure. <laughs> I request now, live on the air, the origin of the nickname Skidney. <laughs> Sid and Skid rhyme. Well, but why Why did somebody have both you and Skid? 
you know, on the brain. I think I made that one up. Oh, really? It's like, you know, when you're like playing like uh, Jackbox games, everyone's putting funny things. I'm like, Skidney. Oh, okay. You know, like nothing to do with like skid marks. No. Oh, that would have been a lot funnier. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's disappointing. Sorry. It is. I, I mean, I have a story for the Siffy Sid. Ooh. <gasps> it, it's a good story. Let's hear it. <laughs> I think you've heard it. Oh, uh, but our listeners haven't. <gasps> okay. I decided to go donate plasma because I'm very poor. I went, uh, I went fine the first time. Uh, a few days later, I get a letter in the mail and they said, hey, you need to come in. There's something abnormal in your blood. I was like, cool, I'll go in sometime next week. The next day, they overnight me another message. And they're like, you need to come in. There's something abnormal in your blood. I go, they take me into a separate room. It's just me and this doctor. And he says, so I don't know what they told you, but you did test positive. I said, positive for what for syphilis (laughs) and here's the thing i have barely ever kissed a boy let alone had sex or did any drugs via needle so that's not possible and i don't have syphilis i don't know why they told me i have syphilis unless syphilis and syphy sid was born so is that what you told the doctor you're like i don't have syphilis and you just (laughs) left no, well, he was like, you got to go get some, like, blood work done. and like. Did the, you? Yeah, I had to get, like, a bunch of blood work done. And, they were, like, the doctor was like, you've never had sex? I was like, no. you never done drugs? No. He was like, you don't have syphilis. Do you want to know why your blood tested positive for syphilis? Baking sugar. Because when you go to donate plasma and they test your blood, they test a bunch of blood at the same time. And if any, if there is syphilis in anyone's like if it tests positive for anyone's then all of those people test positive for syphilis Are you serious? and none of them can donate plasma why would they do it like that so you're telling me that that doctor his afternoon was just like <laughs> you have syphilis you have syphilis <laughs> probably freaking like oprah but with stds <laughs> like <laughs> you get syphilis you get syphilis, and you get syphilis. one of them actually does yikes <gasps> what if it's me what if i well, don't that would be awkward. You never know. Then you would have tested positive <gasps> when you tested again. Okay. I guess that's... Also, I feel like your like mental faculties would be deteriorating quite a bit at this point. How do we know they're not? I suppose that's fair. Anyway, didn't back like, to Didn't the... like Thomas Jefferson have syphilis or something? Like Benjamin Franklin, one of those guys? Probably. I don't know. Anytime some like character in a movie or something, someone mentions syphilis, everyone looks at me. I remember the episode of House where the old guy has syphilis. And House is like, no problem. We'll do some antibiotics and clear it right up. And he's like, no, I want my syphilis. And House is like, why? He's like, because it makes me happy. And then Michelle Branch came on the radio. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I made up that last part. but I mean, it seemed very fitting. Yeah. Can you imagine that? If he's like, my syphilis makes me happy. And then all of a sudden, if it makes you happy, like comes on the radio, that'd be great. Wow. That is Michelle Branch, right? I don't think so. Is it not? I don't don't know. know. Oh, that's Cheryl Crow. (laughs) Whatever. Who cares? Cheryl Crow and Michelle Branch are basically the same person. Yeah, it's true. Basically. Folks, today, uh, we're stoked. We're stoked about this one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
We're talking about the Netflix original series, The Haunting of Hill House. I've been looking forward to this since last year. Did we decide last year that we were going to do this? I mean, I did. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of like as soon as It Follows ended. I was like, hey, we're going to watch that next year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Man, I'm so I'm so stoked for that. I'm so stoked to talk about that. It's gonna be great. Okay, uh, yeah. Today we're talking about the Netflix original series, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, based on the novel by somebody. Um, Cheryl. Crow. No. Cheryl. Uh, what's her name? I don't know. Stephen Crane. Um, Cheryl Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. She wrote. She wrote a character called Shirley into her novel? Uh, that's a bit of trivia. No, Shirley was not in the original novel. They literally invented her for the show? They invented her and Steven for the show. So it was really? only three kids in the book? Um, Yeah, I mean, the book and the series are way different. So then how does Luke's coping mechanism possibly work? If there's not seven of them. You know, I, I don't think that's in the book, but... What is in the book? Ghosts? I don't know. <laughs> They're like, there's a house and there's it's ghosts, so it's an adaptation. Much. It's very, very different. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, this is a 10-part... Uh, is there a season two? There's started one. It'll uh, be oh, next really? season. It's anthology. Oh, okay. Uh, that could work. And it's got um, Luke, Nell, and Theo, and the dad, um, playing the younger dad, is going to be in the second season. Huh. Oh, is it like their family again or is no. it is totally characters. new people? Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does it revolve around Hill House still? No, it's, uh, what's it called? Then maybe they should have just made a new show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. I'm pretty sure I have an interview though. Because like True Detective, you can get away with that because like, yep, they're detectives all right. Yeah. <laughs> but like here, it's like The Haunting of Hill House. Like, what does it have to do with Hill House? Nothing. It just has the same actors <laughs> <laughs> is that's mike flanagan doing it again yes that's good um created by mike flanagan uh it is a 10-part series uh chronicling the uh goings on of the crane family at two different points in their lives about 27 years apart uh when they briefly live in a haunted house when they are young and then dealing with the fallout of uh some stuff when they are older we don't want to spoil it too much if you haven't seen it um first off if you have not seen this it gets a hardcore recommend from us oh yeah it's quite good yeah if you're into horror in any way uh this will tickle your fancy it's just good it's good writing it's good directing it's good characters good acting it's pretty much just good all around even if you think you don't really like horror that much like you don't have to love it's not that scary it's not that scary Um, the second season is The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, that's what it's called. I don't know if they're like changing the name, but that's what like the next season is. Do you know what Bly Manor is? I know it's based on a book. Oh, all right. Whatever. Mm. Cool. Um, so what, coming out next Halloween then? Or is that Sometime probably the idea? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so yeah, it follows the Crane family. Uh, mom, dad, five kids. Um, yeah. And that's as much as we'll say before getting into spoilers. Um... We're going to do some hot takes. Following that, we will be discussing the entirety of the series in its uh, spoilery goodness. And following that, uh, we're going to give trivia and final thoughts. And then I guess we'll 
put no you can't put it on the western scale yeah i don't think we can we will not be putting this on the western scale it's not a movie as much as it sometimes plays out like a 10-hour movie but Mm -hmm. it doesn't really yeah each episode is pretty distinct like you can't rate a tv show as a movie yeah Yeah. we will not be putting this on the western scale even though this this episode is numbered we're breaking all the rules today yeah we are um, for all the hopefuls out there who were hoping to see something other than a movie rated on the West End scale, <laughs> suck it. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Um, let's do some hot takes. Don't burn yourself on these hot takes. Becca. Oh, I'm waiting. I was waiting for you to ask me. Becca. You got really mad at me in the last episode. Becca. What? How hot is your hot take? It's very hot. <sighs> I can feel the toast from over here. I'm toasting bread on your hot take 10 feet away. (laughs) Good. I'm glad for that. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm toasting an English muffin. I'm going to make some eggs Benedict. All right. I'll I'll eat one of those. Great. Okay. Thanks. Um, I love this show. Like I mentioned, I've been excited to watch it for a year because we watched it last year and then we've been saving it for this year. Um, I don't even know where to start with what I love about it because there's so many things and I feel like it's different for every episode, but I'm going to steal what Andrew likes to say about horror movies. Here we go. (laughs) That it's really just a family drama disguised as a horror film. Yep. That's what I say. The best horror is just family drama with some supernatural elements thrown uh-huh. in. And it absolutely is. Like, it's way more about the family than it is about the ghosts. But the ghosts add such an interesting element. And they're able to, like, dive into themes and explore questions that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, so I love, love, love this show. And I do also want to say I was really proud of myself when we were watching it. There were multiple times where I caught myself thinking, oh, wow, that was great writing. Or, oh, that's cool editing. And usually I don't think things like that. So I was proud of myself for having those thoughts. Becca is advancing as a film critic. Yes, I am. Congratulations. Thank you. We're all very proud of you. So we'll get into everything. But my hot take is that this show is amazing. And probably my favorite TV show that I've ever seen. Really now? Wow. Yeah. Better than True Detective? Yeah, I like True Detective, but I don't like it as much as you do. But this one, like, I love. Major fat shout out, folks. Um, Becca is allowed to be mistaken at this point. It's all right. (laughs) But the definitive facts are this. Do not share your opinions as facts. The True Detective season one is the best season of TV that has ever been made. And that's that. Um, That is an opinion because my opinion is The Haunting of Hill House is my favorite. How hot is your hot take? Um, It's pretty hot. I love this show. I'm heating up my hollandaise on your hot take. My voice is giving giving way. Um, Excuse me. I've seen this three times Um, and it's just, just even from the first time I watched it, I loved it. It was just, it had like the creepy aspects that I wanted. It had the drama. It had um, good writing, the the amazing camera work. The camera work is so good in this. Um, 
it's it's so good but it's very fun to watch over it again after you know what happens and you can pick up on things you can see the hidden ghosts in the background um yeah i love this show so much and it's i'm very excited to see what they do with the next season i want to i want to say something about that um it is very fun to watch it a second time but it's also like you're just punching yourself the entire time because everything is so obvious (laughs) yeah yeah once you know everything's pretty obvious everything is so obvious yeah yeah i was worried that i wouldn't like it as much a second time because the twists were so good the first time Mm -hmm. but it's still good even as obvious as everything is i was like this is amazing yeah it definitely is still very very good Mm -hmm. um my hot take is this um i really really enjoy this um it uh does the kind of disconnected narrative really well where really over the course of the whole season honestly you're kind of filling in the gaps on certain events and then there's always something pushing kind of the modern narrative forward so you're jumping between these two uh timelines where you know 1992 and then um I guess that would, what would that make it? Would that make it 2019? 27 years later? Because it is 92. I don't know. So it must is be 20. it 27 years later? Is it 27 years? Or is that it? Am I confused? That's it. I don't know if it's. They just say almost 30 years. I thought they said 27 at some point. In any case, 92 yeah. and present day uh, is what they say. Um, and basically each episode gives you a little bit more insight into the events that happened in 92. Um fleshes it out a little bit and of course they start with the um person who gets the least details about it which is steve um and kind of work you up to nell um but at the same time they're always giving you events in the present day uh to move that narrative forward as well um but then even then like it's not till nell's episode that we really find out what happened with her and like I don't know. This series, I almost said this film because that's what I'm so used to. <laughs> this series, this season of TV, um, just does such a good job of, of hooking you with these characters, making you care about each one of them individually, their journey individually, how these events impacted them differently based on how old they were, based on their personalities, based on their kind of... Um, their shining if you will whatever abilities they may possess or may not possess um i love how much it's able to subvert your expectations um but in a satisfying way i think back to like abigail being real Mm -hmm. um and like I enjoy that, like, some of them have powers, but not all of them do. Um, And that it's, like, a perfect mix of dealing with mental illness and actual ghosts. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's a combination. Like, they are, like, there is mental illness involved. But, like, Mm -hmm. at the same time, the house actually is haunted as well. So, like, like, it's not one or the other. It's both. And, um a lot of it is about being able to deal with both of those things in a healthy way 
which they are not able to do um, until after the events of the series, of course. Otherwise, there would be no drama. Um, there's a lot of themes of empathy and forgiveness and, um, you know, that, that family bond that exists. And all of these things just come together over the course of these 10 hours to be incredibly satisfying to um, tell this story in a way that really makes you feel it. And um, I guess it leaves you satisfied at the end, even if it's not like the happiest of endings, because yeah, it kind of ties up in a bow with like, Oh, all the kids are friends now and they all have their significant others and everybody's happy dandy. But like their dad still died and Nell still died. And the house is still haunted. And the house is still there. Yeah, like all these things. So, I don't know. That's my long rambling hot take. Um, but overall, big, big fan. Yeah. Uh, let's start at the top. Um, I want to do this. Favorite episode? Ooh. Two Storms. Really? Yeah. Okay. That one is just, it's, uh, I mean, just the camera work alone is fantastic in that one for those who don't know all of the episode titles right okay that is which episode is that i think it's six um that that one is six um that one is (coughs) sorry um where what is happening i can't tell (coughs) nice great podcasting it's the (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys um no that one is uh it's it switches between present day where they are kind of getting ready for Nell's funeral and past when there is a big storm um, at the house when they were younger. And just I think it's it's such an interesting episode because there's a lot there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of fighting and you really get to like get to know the characters and understand them more. Um and kind of their motivations and um i feel like that's when like things really start to come to a head with um family drama in between everyone um well because that's when in the modern timeline they finally all get in the same room yeah right mm-hmm. yeah like um, it, it briefly happens uh during nell's episode right or does do they not even um well with nell's episode her, oh like, no because it's, it's at wedding. the beginning of seven or at the beginning of six, at the beginning of that episode is when Stephen and Hugh and Luke show up at the funeral home, yeah. right? So yeah. yeah, so that is the first time they all get in the same room. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it's like, there's just so much drama between all the characters and just the craft and the camera work alone is so good. Like long shots, like 15 minutes long. And they're like doing these rotating shots where things change every time they come back come around. in and out of frame Nell it's appears amazing. and disappears oh and... my gosh I just I I can't even believe that episode I love that one close second would definitely be Ben Neck Lady okay uh, yeah the uh, we'll talk about six right now then as as we're doing it um the thing that I noticed about and it, it kind of caught my my attention in that episode but i noticed it for the rest of the series was how much that episode uh had in common with like a stage production mm-hmm. um and that they had these really long really choreographed sequences but even the style of acting 
came off as like stage acting because it just kind of does in those kind of very long takes. I think that that's something that's like a huge strength of like Birdman, for example. And I don't think that I mentioned that in the episode, but thinking back on like these movies and, and shows that rely really heavily on these super long sequences, like there's just a difference between always being able to use the best take Right. Which is like if you do shorter cuts, like you literally can always use the best five seconds of that scene and just paste it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, The alternative being something like this, where like there might have been mess ups that we didn't notice Mm -hmm. or like things that had to be edited out in post or whatever. But like the way the actors act and the way they interact with each other and how they come in and out of frame and in and out of rooms like it's all so similar to a stage production Mm -hmm. and i noticed that style really throughout the back half of of the series um there's a lot of those really long monologues and again i think back to birdman um i think about when they're doing the rehearsal and you know um what's his name main guy in birdman Michael Keaton, Keaton. he like steps to the front of the stage and the spotlight, oh geez, the spotlights come down on him and the rest of the place goes out of focus. And I'm like, that's a really like stage type of thing to do. And the last four episodes or so rely really heavily on these super long monologues. Mm -hmm. And that kind of bothered me the first time around. I was like, geez, I I don't want to listen to this person talk. But like when I got into that kind of a mindset of like, think of it as a stage production, I got super into it and I thought the monologues were super effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just like how many things are going on in the background and like people need to move through physical space. So when you're doing a full 360 on the camera, like people are going to be in the background moving in and out. And it, it's just, it's, I guess the two strengths I will talk about this episode. And that's one is that the craft of it is absolutely exhilarating. It's, mm-hmm so fun to watch and pick apart and say how did they do this and imagine what's going on behind the scenes as you know the girl dressed up as Nell um with her neck all jacked up and stuff imagine how she's moving you know offset and back on set and then you know I'm sure they do a lot of audio work to eliminate any like bristling in the background but she's like changing position and like all of that is so exciting and uh, so easy to just get so caught up in the craft of it. The second strength of that episode is that probably 60% of the episode, I completely forget about the craft of it because the acting and the drama and the writing and the way they're all interacting with each other, that is so much more engaging. So I think the strength of it is that it has this incredibly... Uh, I don't know the word just it has this incredible proficiency to it that they're putting together this episode so well with these long long sequences and people moving in and out and doing all these kind of crazy complicated things and even in the scenes in the house like the statues are changing you know the camera will go down the hall and then 30 seconds later it'll zoom back out and the statues are looking different ways like all these things that have to be happening in the background that's so exciting and exhilarating but the choice from the director who I assume is Flanagan. I don't, I don't know if he directed, did he direct every episode? Pretty sure. I don't know. Um, I assume it's Flanagan, his choice to not be reliant on that, but to have drama and acting and writing that itself is so engaging that 
the technicality of the episode is sugar on top of the story rather than the story being sugar on top of the technicality of it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think with the camera work as well, it helps you feel like you're there and like understand the space better, like understand where everything's set up in the funeral home and where everything is set up in the house. And that's really grounding, I think, for the story and helped me understand it more just knowing the layout better yeah and the the physicality of it we were talking about that a little bit during the episode as well is like just the set design that goes into being able to plan something like that like a lot of times when we see a movie set it looks complete to us because production designers are incredibly talented but like here it really needed to be built out because they need to move the camera through this space and i was trying to nitpick a little bit like oh there was probably a cut there there was probably a cut there but the point of it is like it's so seamless and they do such a good job with it. Like, I don't know. I love that episode. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It's probably my second favorite. I feel like all of ours are the same because I'm pretty tied between five and six, mm-hmm. like with uh 10 as a close third. 10 is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, just Nellie's episode. It's so good. It's amazing and like so emotional. Mm-hmm. Like she's definitely like the emotional tie in the family. I cry like a stupid baby in that episode. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I would think, I think, and I'll let you go first because I don't want to steal your thoughts, but I think that Becca and I are in agreement that Bet Neck Lady episode five, which is Nell's episode is our favorite right yeah absolutely so i'll let you go first okay i love that that episode for a lot of reasons um i think it's good placement to have her last of the siblings i mean she is the youngest so that makes sense but to have her be the one that's there in the house the one who died like i think that's really good placement and then just everything that happens in the house and the way it cuts from being this like bright, lively, music-filled place to literally just silence. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that I noticed a lot because a couple of times when it cut, I thought maybe it would still like have the music playing really quietly and like have it just kind of eerie. You're talking about when she's dancing? Yeah, when she's dancing. Yeah. Um, but it's always silent and that makes it more eerie. Um, yeah, for sure. And then just the... Like finding out that she is the bent neck lady is the most chilling moment of the entire series. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Even knowing what was coming, I got chills. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that is just, yeah. Well, and that that moment is where it really ties all of them to the house and mm-hmm. ties them to the house from the beginning. Like the fact that as a child in that house, she sees the bent neck lady, mm-hmm. and it's her, and you know that. Like, it's, yeah, it's so chilling. I think that I like, I think that it does take the cake as my favorite episode. Um, honestly, as we were watching, like, I loved it. Um, I came to appreciate a lot of the other episodes a lot more. Um, specifically, the twin thing, which is Luke's episode. Mm-hmm. Um and then eulogy which is hugh's episode yeah 
um, as we were watching, both of those became contenders for my favorite episode as well. I think that those kind of middle four of like four, five, six, seven are just the cream of the crop. And then 10 is incredible as well. I think what puts Nell's episode above everything else for me is the context that is given in episode 10 um, as far as like what the house is Mm -hmm. and in what way it is haunted. So I want to talk about my interpretation of it. And I'm curious if you guys agree because it's never like explicitly said like, this is what haunts the house. But basically what I understand is that the house doesn't necessarily have like a will. The house is not evil or good. And the overarching haunting of Hill House is neither good nor bad. It's hungry. It All yeah. it wants is for people to die in the house so that the spirits stay there. And if you die in the house, your spirit sticks around. Mm-hmm. So like the house doesn't care who is there. The house just wants people to die there um, so that basically it can keep itself populated with spirits. And then whether the haunting is good or bad comes more from the disposition of the ghosts themselves. So the great majority of the ghosts are just kind of average. Mm-hmm. Like just they're just people uh, with the exception of Will and Poppy. Yeah, is because that, they were insane. Because they were insane, like they were malicious in life. Will being the boiler hat man. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Um, that's how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, I think that it's interesting who is targeted by the house, um, being mostly Nellie and Luke, and I think that that comes from the fact that the house thought they were going to die there. Like they were, they were supposed to die there with the mom giving them the poison tea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then Nellie and Luke get out. So the house has like, the house basically has it out for Nellie and Luke, which is why they are the ones that continue to see their ghost that kind of gets assigned to them mm-hmm. outside of the house because the house has decided, no, Nellie and Luke need to die here. Mm-hmm. And like that's what matters and that's also why when the whole crew goes back luke is the only one that poppy actually tries to kill yeah mm-hmm. like she doesn't try and kill steven or theo or uh shirley mm-hmm. she just like knocks him out so that they can't stop her from killing luke because nell has already died there and now luke needs to die there to kind of settle the score yeah if yeah. you will and i think there's also like the connection between the twins and the mom where that's there's true. like ob- like Obviously, they're very connected to each other. Um, So I feel like it's also kind of like the pull of the mom in the house, as well as the house itself and Poppy. That's fair. I just think to why, like, Nell saw the bent neck lady, and I think that's what it is. I think it's just the house trying to settle its score. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also they were the most impressionable. Same with Liv. So they were the ones who were the most affected by the house while they were there. That's fair. Because Liv was already dealing with migraines and mental illness. Well, lately. Liv already had The Shining, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not in The Shining universe. I understand that. I just think but it's a convenient yeah. term. It is a good term. To describe generic psychic abilities of some sort. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like they were very impressionable 
And so the house grasped onto them the most. That's fair. I think that makes sense. And so where the other ones could kind of break away and not be so connected to the house, they never could. Yeah. So I guess the the reason that I bring this all up is that it kind of changes my view of a lot of Nell's episode, specifically the back half where she goes to the house. And it's like, it. I don't know, it brings up an kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, conflict in my head. Because, like, on the one hand, she dies. Yeah. And, like, has to stay at Hill House forever, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like, the house provides this kind of magnificent vision for her mm-hmm. where she, for literally the first time in her entire life, gets everything that she wants. Mm-hmm. She gets her family all in the same room. They all make amends. Luke is there and he's clean. Her husband is there. She gets to dance with her husband. like And see her mom and be with her And mom. see her mom and be with her mom. Like the house literally gives her... And to Nell, it's real. Like it's not real. We see that. That's made very mm-hmm. clear. But like the house gives her this spectacular vision. And so it, it the first time you watch it through, you're almost wondering like, oh, is the house... Like, maybe not so malicious. Mm -hmm. But I think that was just the house being manipulative and knowing this is what I can do to get her to die here tonight. Mm -hmm. When I rewatched it this last time with Austin at that scene where she's dancing, I'm Uh crying. Yeah. And but he was terrified at that part because he just had no idea what was coming. Yeah. So it's it's you can definitely see both sides where it's like this is a very sweet moment for her. But also their underlying malicious intent. Yeah. It's so it like knowing what the house is changes the context of the entire last twenty minutes of her episode. Mm-hmm. Well, and to your point, Sid, I think that's what I love about this show is that like the monsters are like their own monsters. And like Steve says it in his book mm-hmm. a bunch that like it's your own ghosts and your own fears and your own regrets and all of those things. And the house just kind of brings those to life and while there are malicious ghosts that like nelly does end up killing herself i mean mm-hmm. with the encouragement of poppy but right that's and it was her mom yeah, it was her, oh, mom. her mom her mom right yeah. um her mom was with the encouragement of poppy. and this is yeah. kind of just going back to why nell and luke were targeted thinking back i don't think any of the other three kids like actually saw a ghost except for steven when he saw like the clockmaker. but i i'm racking my brain and i don't think shirley or theo actually saw a ghost theo feels it yeah a couple times but i don't think yeah they i don't think they see anything shirley and theo have that moment where they're in the room and all the paintings start banging yeah but like they never like are like face to face with a ghost really yeah so yeah i guess that's true like hugh nell luke and live are really the only ones yeah but hugh doesn't see any ghosts until the last night right um i don't think so yeah yeah and then he sees all of them yeah he sees the whole the whole crew Mm -hmm. which is pretty dope yeah seeing all of them together the part when they like first walk in steven and um hugh and like the the boiler hat guy just like will 
yeah, yeah. just like comes right in his face oh my gosh i found myself at that part wondering like what would have happened if he looked at him yeah, yeah. me i think i asked that he out does loud kind of, like glance at him yeah i think it's more about because luke fear. luke looks at him yeah remember when luke is a kid yeah he brings his head down under the bed and gets in luke's face well because at that same time in that episode that's when steve is kind of narrating that most of that episode yeah and at that moment steve in his narration is talking about fear and how like the house wants you to be afraid and so i think in that moment it was more like looking at him wouldn't have necessarily done anything bad except for maybe made him more afraid Mm -hmm. so looking at his father instead kept him grounded and and then the ghost goes away and the house lets them i'm sure the fear makes them more susceptible to the house yeah Yeah. and the house's wills yeah because like the house wanted nell and luke but i don't think it would have said no to anybody else Yeah. yeah yeah um let's see uh favorite character like favorite story arc i think either man i think probably theo i was just gonna say really okay let's talk about that i just i mean i kind of resonate with her where like i'm not like the most happy-go-lucky person in the world but like she's just like i didn't get that at all in all the time what are you talking about with just no, I like know. you. I mean, like I, know, I never. It's like it's so hard because I'm just like my voice is so high. I never got that vibe from you at all. Bouncing off the walls. I thought you were like constantly. really bubbly and drank a lot of boba tea and stuff you like know, that. Looks can be deceiving, <laughs> um, but she's just she's honestly just like cool, mm-hmm. and like with her her ability to feel things, um, it makes her a really interesting character in terms of like the house and like how she interprets things and. Um, I just think she's a super interesting character. Like, she's not necessarily, like, because she is kind of, like, an angry person, she wasn't the most enjoyable to watch, but I just liked kind of how she went from being this, like, stone-cold, like, don't touch me, I hate everyone, to, like, she's married now, and she's more loving, and she took off her gloves, and she's willing to feel things again. I think that uh, she probably gives my favorite performance mm-hmm. out of the adults. Yeah. Like her performance is super dynamic mm-hmm. in the way she's able to, you know, turn in an instant from pissed off to vulnerable to, I don't know, just all these different emotions that she gets across. I think Theo is also my favorite, but for sake of conversation, um, I I mean, all of them are great. Mm-hmm. But I really like Luke's character yeah. from the very beginning to the end. First of all, he's the most adorable little boy. He's so cute. Like just like his glasses are like halfway down his nose, and he's always looking up. He's like so I, cute. I want him as a son. And you know, older Kim's pretty yeah. easy on the Freaking eyes too. Smack, dude. <laughs> I remember seeing like an article and it was like, surprise, the guy who plays Luke is hot. And I was like, that's not a surprise to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen him before. I just, I love Luke's character and just everything he goes through. I think the twin thing, like their ability is really cool that they can feel each other. and, And when in his episode, when he's like really cold and stiff, like, 
so good. And I'm um, watching it this third time. Um, when Steve tells him that Nell's dead, he like goes to rub his neck and like I honestly didn't even really catch on that he was like cold and stiff because Nell was dead. And it's just the little things that you can pick on every pick up every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Luke's just like perceptive and he gets it. And as soon as Shirley says that um, Nell broke her neck when she died, like Luke knew like that. I feel like that wasn't even a good enough clue, especially for the audience, for us to get like I didn't get it the first time. She was the bent neck lady. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Luke's talk at the funeral. Oh, my gosh. Just Niagara Falls. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, that's interesting because I think Luke is my favorite. So I'll do a for sake of conversation (laughs) and give my second favorite. Okay. Which I have a hard time picking. Um, But I would put it as a tie between Shirley and Hugh. Mm. Um, I think that overall i think that luke has my favorite arc but i think that he was probably my favorite character okay um just like as you get to know him in the 90s um how he interacts with the kids he's a really good dad like he just wants to protect his family and like do what's best for them and then he's presented with this like really crappy situation and has to do what he thinks is best but then he sticks by his guns like even if like he didn't make all the right choices and like the way that he deals with like hallucinating his wife and like i think he's just a really compelling character um as far as like somebody who is just willing to do what they consider to be the right thing even at the expense of his relationship with his kids and it's an Hugh's story is interesting because he really, he didn't see ghosts until the last night and not even for very long. Mm -hmm. Like he had to piece together everything that was going on. Well, it was once, it was once he went back and the Dudleys explained it to him. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like even right then to know that like my children are in danger and now there's ghosts in the house too. Like, I don't know. He was just very perceptive that night. Well, and even like in that time to be, I guess, conscientious of how his kids would perceive things, mm-hmm. like how you make Steve close his eyes. Yeah. And I want to know what Theo experienced when she touched his arm yeah. that night. When she freaks out and she yells like, don't touch me. When? When it's like showing Theo's flashback and it's when they're leaving the house on the last night and he has like his arm or his hand on her dragging her out. Oh yeah. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Like she probably only saw him going up to the red room and shoving his wife. Yeah. Like shoving live against the wall. But like just because of her reaction, like I want to know what she saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my other one, as far as favorite arc after Luke, I think would be Shirley. She's just, again, she's just a really compelling character. Somebody who completely, you know, internalizes all of these experiences and uses them as kind of a wall. And her perception of Steve failing as the oldest and feeling like she needs to take on that role 
in what she considered to be his absence. And like, I think that fight between her and Theo, I think it's in episode eight is really good where when they're in the car or no, before, when, okay. before they leave and Theo calls her, I guess that's just an extended fight. So yeah, I guess it continues yeah. into the car. Is that when they're in the, it's Halloween. Uh-huh. In, okay. Yeah. And, um, Theo basically calls her out and is like, we all know that you're not perfect. You don't have to try and convince us that you are Mm -hmm. like, and that, I don't know. I, I, I just, I felt for that. I felt for Shirley and like that she felt this need to be perfect in the absence of, you know, like effective parenting and a healthy relationship between her parents and, she felt like Steve failed as the oldest brother. And so her like perception of, oh, the family needs a figure and that falls on my shoulders now. And that like the damage that that weight did to her and all of that. I don't know. I think she has a really compelling arc. And then being able to be vulnerable mm-hmm. to Theo and to her husband and um, all those things. I don't know. I think she's a really compelling character. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think that all the characters are very compelling. There are mm-hmm. definitely ones that, like, Steve can be a little obnoxious. and you He kind bugs of, the crap out of me. Oh, yeah, but, like, for in, sure. in Not in, like, a I don't want to watch this way, yeah. but in, like, a you suck way. Yeah. Well, it surely bugs me, too. Like, she's just so difficult. Yeah, she can, but, like, also at the same time, like, you can kind of understand why she's yeah. having such a hard time. But, like, I remember um watching this with my family and like we're pretty much like a family of therapists and we're like (laughs) that's that's true we're like getting mad at steve because he's like saying is this is only a mental health thing and i was like 99 percent of my life i'm like people get help for your mental health but as soon as they put it in a tv show i'm like no it's a ghost don't take care (laughs) of your mental health (laughs) but yeah there are definitely characters that are just more compelling resonate better um better story arcs but overall i i really love everyone i mean steve is definitely at the bottom of the list for sure but yeah also just like i mean he does uh, and that's not to say that his arc isn't interesting like that idea of him like he can't explain these things that are happening he didn't see any ghosts he didn't have any supernatural experiences and so to him it's like no you actually are all crazy Mm-hmm. And the way that that affected him, like when he would talk to his dad about like how, you know, our genes are bad. Like he got a vasectomy right out of college. Like I won't pass this on. Like just the different way that they all, I guess, dealt with these goings on. Mm-hmm. Going ons? Goings on. I don't know. I don't know. Meh. <laughs> Let's see. Um, favorite favorite ghost and or monster. I think the creepiest one for sure is Bowler Hat Guy Will. Mm-hmm. Just seeing him floating and he's so tall and like hearing his story later about why he's so tall. That monologue from Poppy is it's, one of my favorite so, moments of the whole Poppy, show. Right? Yeah. She, no, it's, um, no, the that talks about it talks about Will. Hat. No, it's it's Trish. Um, it's Trish. Yeah, it's the, in Theo's. Theo's. Oh, that's right. Well, it's 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 Poppy. 
yeah. speaking as Trish yeah. in yeah. Theo's vision. But just like, like I didn't even piece together that they, like all of these were the same thing. Yeah. But just like seeing him like behind the wall and he's super tall later and then you finally get the story on why he's so freakishly tall and he's just terrifying and like yeah uh and that was one thing that i noticed sorry it will but those the visions that they all have like watching it back and knowing the characters a little better it's so obvious that everybody that they talk to in their visions whether it's lee or trish or uh joey it's so obvious that it's just poppy like they don't sound like themselves their speech patterns change and the vocabulary that they use changes like it's so obvious that it's just poppy controlling their visions and that's so well done i love it but yeah that speech she gives about uh how will will's ghost came to be yeah so good oh my gosh i definitely think that will is the the scariest ghost Mm -hmm. Just because he's just creepy. He never touches you or like he never touches Luke or actually does anything. He just kind of floats around and looks creepy. And in Luke's episode, when he's just like closer and closer and closer to him, it's so terrifying. Oh my gosh. And like all you can do is. Well, because at that point, at that point, you don't know that he's not dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Because what makes Poppy dangerous is not physicality, it's that she's crazy and manipulative, right? Like. Well, and, and Poppy is exactly what you'd expect from a ghost. Yeah. Like when you think of a scary ghost, it's yeah. Poppy. Mm-hmm. So she's like, she's like not that scary because she's like traditional, I guess, or like expected from a ghost. But Will is just this wacky ghost. Yeah. He's just such a good design. Yeah. He's definitely like the wackiest out of all the ghosts yeah and he's just like he's already so tall but then he's also floating off the ground and he's just looking for his hat and And the way that he moves just like and he floats silently oh Oh, it's so i i 100% agree he's absolutely my favorite ghost Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite moments of the entire series is when they bust down the wall and you go in and you see the body and it takes you a second but then your eyes find the cane Mm -hmm. and you're like yeah, it's so good. And also, I, mean, she, I guess she's not actually a ghost, but Abigail is such a good character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, just this well, she's little just, girl in the she's trees. Just a, she's just a misdirection. Like, uh-huh. they want you to think she's a ghost, and she's yeah. not. Uh-huh. Until well, she Because she's yeah. also what you would pick, what we, like a traditional ghost. A just creepy like a little, little girl, girl in the window, yeah. you know? Yeah. With yeah. a weird haircut and an old-fashioned dress. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also do really like Poppy. Yeah, she's I she's fine. I don't love her, but I feel like she's necessary for the story. Yeah. Yeah. I just love when she talks and like the little monologues she gives and then what I forget exactly how she does it, but what she talks to uh she tells Hugh the story of uh is it Will that kills the family that she's talking about? I don't remember. She talks about somebody killing the family, killing uh-huh. the parents and then the baby. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's Will or if it's her or somebody. Mm-hmm. She, But she does it in this like sing-songy, rhymey voice. Oh, my gosh. It's just so... She just She's such a good actress. And then there's that scene where she takes Liv to the sitting room. I was going to say that, yeah. And I didn't notice this. We had to rewind it. Becca noticed it. But they walk in 
and the camera pans over and uh, Poppy's talking and then it pans back and all of a sudden there's a second chair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that whole conversation between them and just the connection between them throughout the whole time that Liv is there and that Poppy's just putting these ideas into Liv's head that like to keep her children safe, she has to kill them. And that makes sense to Liv. And that idea is terrifying that like, yeah, because Liv honestly thinks that she's making them safe Uh and that they're going to be totally fine after that. It's like, you can like, she's just not in her right mind. She can't rationalize. But it's interesting too, because if she had succeeded in killing Nell and Luke, they would have been ghosts in Hill house Mm -hmm. with her and never would have experienced like, Poppy was saying, you don't want them to experience putting poison in their body and killing themselves and having all this heartache. Yeah, she was right. Like, bad things did happen to them. But, like... Like, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting look at Liv's point of view and Poppy's point of view. Uh, Another contender for one of my favorite moments in the whole thing is when um, Liv is outside of the room that Steve and... Hugh are inside of and Poppy's like she's like he's taking them from you he's taking from you blah, blah, blah. and she's just like going and then the old lady she lies <laughs> just like out of nowhere you turn around as this like disgusting old lady and Liv goes in there she's like what she's a liar that one like oh it's just so good like this old lady just like finally her patience is tested and she <laughs> oh man so many good moments. Yeah, really. It really, it's it's just, it's so well done. The characters are really well developed. They make you care about every single one. Um, yeah. Well, I think the themes throughout that really come through and like where it makes it a drama over a horror, um, like they're going back to their past and confronting it as a family and like coming to terms with things and then they leave and get better and like that's what you have to do when you have a messed up childhood you know like you have to confront it and deal with it and come out better on the other side yeah yeah all right yeah overall themes i think one more thing i want to mention is just the recurring theme of empathy oh yeah of like for example, like with Luke, like what allows him to actually move on is getting screwed over the way that he screwed over his entire family so many times and like feeling that betrayal. Like I feel it, like and being able to empathize with that. Right. Like because mm-hmm. he says it, it's so interesting, like the difference between like his 90 day speech where he's like, I've screwed over my family so many times and I feel so bad about it and everything. And I, I hope I never have to experience that. And then he does. And, I don't think I picked up on that. Yeah, and that's when he actually gets to become clean. Yeah. Is when Joey screws him over and betrays him. And he's like, oh, geez, like, this is what I'm doing to my family. Yeah. yeah. And then a similar one would be, like, Theo. Mm-hmm. Um, when she... Smiley man. Huh? I just remembering her episode. Yeah, but no, I'm thinking later on um, where she's having the conversation with her dad where she's like, you know, I know that we all F up, but, like, you don't know like how bad it feels 
until you actually F up and like how much you want that forgiveness and people to be able to let it go. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's a major stepping point in her character to not be so angry and hold so many grudges and that kind of thing when she like is in a situation where she desperately wants to be forgiven for something that she like actually feels ashamed of Mm -hmm. and like just that understanding of like this is how it feels Mm -hmm. well and i think theo specifically is an interesting character when talking about empathy because that's pretty much what her character is and what her power is it's just like an intensely heightened sense of empathy because she everything she touches she feels that and so it's cool to watch her like have this power but then still not totally even understand empathy until later on yeah and like steve as well with trust right like Mm -hmm. thinking that he knows it all until he finds out that he doesn't and like from there being able to trust people um hugh having a similar thing of being able to trust people to let them in he felt that by keeping everything secret, he was protecting people, but in the end, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It's just the the characters learning different aspects of of empathy or trust or mm-hmm. responsibility through experience and kind of learning the effect that they had had on other people with their negative actions and being able to, I guess, uh, change that going forward. I thought that was really effective they each have some aspect of their lives that they are able to um improve because of the events of the show except maybe nelly she was just pretty good the entire time yeah like she just was always yeah a good person and bad things were happening to her yeah maybe fear i don't know yeah being able to confront it Mm -hmm. got her killed but yeah yeah but she was i guess the best one of any of them to die i think probably because she like didn't really have anything to learn before dying and she was the one that everyone like cared about the most i think yeah they all (laughs) she was the only one that everybody liked yeah (laughs) Yeah. except for steve you know except for theo but that was a dumb argument that they had i think like yeah they have an argument and then they don't talk to each other for a really long time. Like it can happen though. I know it just was a silly argument, but it's fine. Mm. Anything else? No, I don't think so. What kind of trivia do we have? Um, we got some good trivia. <laughs> Buckle in folks. Um, so the crane children represent the five stages of grief. Um, oh. Stephen is denial. Shirley is anger. Uh, Theo is bargaining. Luke is depression and Nell is acceptance. That's good. Yeah. And it also really ties into like what they have to learn. Yeah. Um, Russ Tamblin, who plays Dr. Montague, um, who is like Nell's psychiatrist, played Luke in the movie ab- adaptation from 63. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, is there any indication if that's any good or not? I have no idea. All right. Uh, um, I know it's more true to the book. Um. In the first episode, when um, young Luke is in his treehouse, he has a E.T. lunchbox. And the um, Henry Thomas, who plays 
the young Hugh Crane is Elliot from E.T. Seriously? I I did want to say we were pointing out in all the episodes this time, each of their, the kids' red rooms had something red in it. Oh. uh So like. uh, And they all have the same window. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the treehouse door when it's opened, it's red. And Mm -hmm. then um, Steve's beanbag that he sits on is red. Liv's chair that she sits on is red. Um, Nellie's like tote that she opens mm. and has toys in is mm. red. I, I can't remember what was red in Shirley's room though. I don't think I saw anything. Yeah. But it was fun to catch all those. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So young Hugh Crane wore like really blue eye contacts um, and older um, Hugh Crane has kind of gray eyes and so what they wanted to do with that is like kind of through this process of like his wife dying and his family falling apart it pretty much just like his eyes faded in color and it just got drained out of him hmm. Hmm. Um, let's see oh in the first episode when Nell is dancing around you can see a mirror and it's the same mirror from Oculus which was also directed by Mike Flanagan oh Ooh, that makes sense. He's quite talented. Oculus, mm-hmm. hard underrated. Oculus is really good. He's doing Doctor Sleep. The well, that makes me a little more excited for it. Yeah, yeah, it does. And puts me from like a three to a four. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Flanagan is married to Kate Siegel, who plays Theo, and she's been in pretty much all of his movies. Hmm. Jeez, um, imagine directing a movie and watching you make out with a bunch of chicks. <laughs> I'm sure he was fine with it. Be weird. <laughs> um, the first 15 minutes and 38 seconds of episode six um, were done in one straight take, no edits, no cuts. Um, there, the whole episode is comprised of five of these long takes, the longest being the third, which is 17 minutes. Oh um, my god! Yeah, production was shut down for six weeks. Six weeks while they rehearsed for it. Jeez, six weeks of that! Heavens. Um. Um, oh, and uh, in the first episode, when Hugh is going around and like checking on all the kids, he looks in on Shirley, and Shirley says, "Dancing in the red room," and that's a little hint to Theo dancing in her red room, and that's the trivia I have for you. Hmm. You're welcome. Thank you. Good work. That's some good trivia. Thanks. I well, normally this is where we would uh, rank it on the Weston scale, but this is a TV show. You can't rank a TV show on the Weston scale. It's true. So overall, I'm just going to give it a hard recommend. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, I already said it was my favorite TV show, so. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's a It's up there for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Anything else? Nope. I don't think right. so. We don't have any other topics for you this week. Um, other movies that we watch will be covered in our um, 31 Days special episode, which will be coming soon. Um, rem- reminder, uh, this week we obviously are watching The Haunting at Hill House. If you missed last week, the theme was transformation. Uh, I explain in our episode of Under the Skin a little bit about the thought process behind that. Um 
This week's theme is House Divided, and obviously we are watching, as I said, The Haunting at Hill House. Um, the idea there being that, uh, you know, family and friendship and these kind of bonds being the building blocks of civilization, if you will, the difference uh, between disorganized life forms and organized life forms is, you know, the family unit, basically. And so, obviously, the disintegration of that uh and those bonds and those relationships will be something that we are scared of. And that's something that the Haunting at Hill House explores very well. Next week, um, we'll be doing Classics Week, which you can look up a little bit more information about at 31daysofoctober.com. It's a really cool little website. Uh, details all of the movies we will be watching over the course of the month. And yeah, uh, we're stoked to have you guys watch these movies with us if you want to get in contact with us any thoughts you have we are happy to hear them you can email us contact at wewatchpodcast.com you can also slide into the dms at facebook.com slash wewatchpodcast or instagram or twitter at wewatchpodcast uh, we're happy to hear your thoughts opinions do you agree do you disagree with anything we've said we want to hear it uh, we appreciate you guys uh you continue to help us uh get more listeners every month every month since april of this year has been our best month we've topped ourselves or you have helped bring in more listeners so every every month has had more listeners in the last since april of this year and we're really stoked about that we want to keep that trend going um so tell your friends tell your mom about our podcast um and any movies that you would like us to watch we're happy to take listener suggestions as well so Anything else, guys? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, we thank you. We love you. My name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.